Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Atlantic Bushcraft Adventures. Tonight we are on episode 196, and we figured we'd do the old annual Christmas gift idea. It's kind of getting around that time of year. You still got a few minutes. You might be able to get something out there for that special bushcrafter on your list. Uh, I think we have a good selection of stuff this year. We didn't really repeat stuff that we had done in past years, uh, except for the odd thing we're going to reference there. But we have a great selection from stocking stuffers right up to main gifts and everything in between in all honesty so hopefully some people appreciate this uh this is for anybody that is wondering you know maybe they want to get a piece of kit for somebody they know that does a little bushcrafting or camping or maybe you know somebody that's just looking to get into this adventuring stuff and you'll have an idea of what you can buy anywhere in between because i think everything that we have selected here ben is stuff that not only new bushcrafters but veteran bushcrafters alike will appreciate yeah sure <laughs> so as in past years uh and this is becoming kind of an annual event for us um we usually or i guess specifically last year we arranged them from least expensive to most expensive uh in no particular order ben had picked some i had picked some we had just put the list together we didn't really discuss it a whole lot between each other before then that way we were kind of curious to see how many items would cross over, and honestly, for this year, not a ton did. Uh, we were just talking about this right before we started, and I think it was like one, maybe two items actually crossed over between what Ben picked and what I picked, so I thought that was kind of interesting, but we both picked a good assortment of stuff from all over the board. Neither of us really focused on any one aspect of camping overly heavily, uh, and I think that's going to give us a real nice selection of stuff and a real broad overview of everything. So, as I was saying, Ben, if you're good with it, sir... I would uh, just start at the least expensive, and whoever it happens to be can talk about it. The other one can give their opinion, and we'll just keep on trucking through. That way, hopefully, we don't hold anybody up too, too long, and we get through everything, because we do have a pretty long list here. Okay, let's let's go. And just want to say hi to Chris Jones joining us there. Good evening. Uh, please tell my wife. And that's the other thing. Maybe you're gonna, you know, give your significant other a nudge towards this podcast. And, uh, yeah. Maybe they'll get some ideas for you, too. And same thing as I told Ben, anybody that's watching us live there, if you see me meticulously looking to my right during this podcast, I think it'll be your left as you're viewing it. Uh, I do have a second monitor set up now, and I'm seeing how this works for me. So if I look like I'm focusing over there... Uh, it's just getting used to this new layout, and it's not to try and be rude. But for those of you that are listening, there is no differences on our podcast. <laughs> so anyway, jumping right into it. The first thing we head up, Ben, is actually one from you. Uh, it is the frame walking folding knife kit there. Coming in at fourteen fifty. Great steal. So I yeah, so I happen to be in Lee Valley looking around. And Lee Valley is, is a store that I really enjoy going into. Um it, it, it generally has good quality stuff at a reasonable price. And that's the best way to put it. It's not necessarily cheap. You can spend a lot of money there pretty quickly. Uh, trust me. <laughs> but there's gems in there. And there's there's not a ton online of these left. But this was something that I seen that I really liked. And I thought I would throw this out there. It's uh, a frame lock folding knife that you can assemble yourself. Everything's there. Nice little um, wooden scales. I thought it was really neat, so I figured we'd throw that up there so people could see it. Um, so I'm hoping that uh, you know someone sees that and at least gets a thought that that's something you want to do. Amazon has some similar stuff. I don't know about the quality of any of these, but definitely to use this as a thought. You know, a good folding. Uh, I can hear an echo from here, so you may 
Uh, anybody out there that's listening to you guys getting an echo? Steve, I know you just joined us too there. And what about you, Chris? Uh, generally, I don't have too much of an echo, but if we do, I know how I can fix it. Um, yeah, definitely getting an echo, even on my end. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I mean, I carry a knife somewhat similar to this. The one I get is from Canadian Tire, goes on sale all the time, the Kingsman. But something you can actually make and uh, and sort of put together yourself. You have a little bit more meaning to, to a bushcrafter, I think. So I think any bushcrafter would, would be in his glory to have that. I think so as well. Um, what I love about this gift is that it's a complete knife when you're done. You don't need any real, you know, advanced mechanical skill, if you will. It's fairly easy to put together, but it gives a nice touch. This is something you put together. This is your knife. You assembled it, even as it is a kit. Uh, it's a great price to get in and kind of get a little bit of customization because, I mean, yeah, you're just putting it together, but still, you are the one doing it. You have put the parts into that. You've held everything in your hand. You know how it's assembled. It gives you that much more of a personal relationship with an item. And once again, coming in at that great price point of $14.50, I mean, what a way to get into something like that. You can literally take that out of your pocket go, hey, guys, gals, whatever the case may be. Yeah, I actually put this thing together. You know, I had a hand in building this knife. Um and that's just kind of a nice thing to be able to say, honestly. Yeah, so I, I was impressed with it. I thought it was pretty cool. I highly considered buying everything they had there, honestly. I'm not saying I bought any of them, but I, I, I was. <laughs> it was in my hand, and I was walking around the store for quite a while with it. Put it that way. But you're not denying it either. Is all I hear there, Ben. You, you know me fairly well. <laughs> <laughs> all right, hey, so. Hey. Uh... Sounds totally normal. So nobody else is catching the echo there, Ben. I did adjust some settings here. Hopefully it's not too bad for you now. Okay. I haven't heard it lately, so. Okay. Yeah, let's keep I tweaked a few settings there. Um, so anyway, moving on to the next one there. It's another one from Lee Valley. Uh, so this coming in at $14.95 is credit card size sharpeners. And this is kind of a neat idea, but what? why was this your pick there, Ben? So, again, Lee Valley, I was in there looking around, and these were on the table. They're, they're $14.95 each. You have... A series of ones. I think there was a coarse, a fine. Um, there was, I think, three or four different coarse, fine, and medium, maybe. Um, sharpeners. They're all about the size of credit card. They came in a nice leather sheath. Uh, and I thought, honestly, that was a quality thing. And, and they had that stand so you could kind of get them an angle on it, which I think might be useful. Um, it's, I was talking to someone today about these, and they said, well, would, would they be very good? They're only small, but you need a full-size stone to get a good sharpen. And not necessarily. You could get an awesome sharpen on a stone that size. In fact, the stone I use most of the time is only about the half the size of that. It's about the same length and, and maybe half the width, and it's a diamond stone. If I was to buy one... I would probably suggest the finest one and just use it as touch up in the wood. So when you get out, you can use whatever system you use. But if you had all three, it would be an easy thing. It would take up very little room. You could toss them in a, in a in your wallet if you had to. You could toss them in any pocket on your pack. It would add no real amount of weight. And you could you could honestly touch up any of your, your edges while you're out there. From scissors to an axe head, you could you could do some serious uh, repair on these uh, fish hooks, anything. like, And especially with the fact that they're so flat and there's no back, you can actually get it in spots you wouldn't a uh, bigger, thicker stone. 
So the thing I love about these, much like you said there, Ben, it's just the size. Credit card size, you can literally slip this in your pocket and forget about it. As Ben said, if you were going to pick one, I'd probably go with the finest stone there and use it as a honing stone when you're out in the woods. What a great, you know, white item that you can throw in your pack. It's going to keep all your stuff sharp. And we've said this before, uh, keeping any of your cutting instruments sharp is way safer than having it dull. At least, you know, when it's sharp, you can predict what it's going to do. It's not um, hooking and stuff like that. It's just a lot safer. Uh, so with safety in mind, I mean, once again, $14.95 for one of these, one of the honing stones, and you'd be off to the races because it looks like it's great quality. Uh, Lee Valley always has, you know, decent quality products. I have no reason not to think that this is right up there with the top of them that they normally sell. Um, and if I don't care if you're skinning an animal or carving a figure to leave in to scare your neck guy that comes to the campsite, whatever you're doing, if you're making a spoon, Keeping that edge really nice and fine is really important, especially for detail work and stuff. And uh, I think I've mentioned this before. I, I've, I've helped skin a few animals. My father used to be a hunting guy. And that was one thing. He was always putting that final edge on a knife, especially when you're doing work. Because when he starts to get dull, the work gets infinitely harder and more mm. difficult. And that's when you make mistakes. Taking a few minutes, he would touch up his knife five, six times while cleaning an animal just to keep everything going as well as it could be well like i said that sharpness uh it brings predictability you know what it's going to do you're not struggling to push it through stuff like that fatigue doesn't set in as easy it's just great to keep your stuff sharp i mean and it feels good as the user it's nice knowing that your gear is taken care of and that you have the availability to take care of your gear. So a question from over here in the comments. First of all, saying hi to Chris Lovelace joining us here tonight. Hey, Chris, great to have you on here. Uh, from Chris Jones, however, wondering if the leather case is sturdy enough for stropping. Now, just basing this off other products I've bought from Wee Valley, I would say you might be able to do like a folding pocket knife or something like that pretty easy. Not sure if I'd go bigger than that, but Ben, you said you might have had these in your hand. What's your thoughts? I think it would work. Uh, I did hold it. I, you know, it seemed fine. They had a proper stropping tool there too that I I, I had definitely picked up and played with myself. Um, but yeah, for a quick quick touch up, you could do that. I've used a leather belt that I've been wearing. Uh, I think you may have seen me do it one time. I I used to have one with a nice, tough, solid, steady handle, and I it had a the hook that went in. I'd literally hammer that into a tree or or a branch, and I grabbed the the end of it and i keep it nice and straight and i stop like that uh funny enough i use old belts uh i have some old ones from work like a weather belt as part of the uniform and we're all entitled to one every year so as mine wears out and stretches and gets bad i put it over to my knife sharpening stuff and i have each one uh i got three of them over there right now i got one with a little coarser grit uh stropping compound rubbed into it one with a very fine stropping grit compound rubbed into it and one that's just naked or has nothing on it for that final polish and to kind of clean stuff up um, and yeah, belts make great strops and much, I think this would make a good strop. I don't know if I want to put any rubbing compound on it to get that mirror polish just because it would make it dirty and stuff like that, but to each their own, not that I would judge just me personally, I probably wouldn't do it, but you definitely get like a nice folding knife. That one that we seen beforehand would, I would imagine would strop out on this perfectly fine. I think so. Uh, Steve, it's actually leather case. Um, I, it looks like it's thin leather. Uh, I was just kind of reading the the description on it there, and it does say uh, for sharpening blah 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 complex age consistent. I thought I seen something here about the case. Pretty sure it was leather when I held it. But. Yeah, I was gonna say I'd be surprised if it wasn't. Yeah, leatherette. 
uh, sturdy leatherette. So, um, yeah, that, that's kind of like a, a silked back leather. I think it'd still be fine. It, it, it was, you know, a medium thickness. It wasn't the thickest leather I've ever held, but it wasn't the thinnest. Again, it's, it's designed to be a credit card held size. And with the sharpener in it, it would be pretty, pretty sturdy to, to hold its shape. So I think, I think you can get away with it. So my only question on this stuff, Ben, once again, taking from your firsthand experience, how brittle would that sharpener be? Like, is it fairly sturdy? Could you throw it in your pack and not have to worry about getting banged around a little bit? Or would you suggest maybe it goes to one of the more delicate pockets that it would be in your pack? I think it would be reasonably sturdy. Uh, from from the playing with it, I did. I mean, it, I never felt had the feeling that it would be something that would bend or crack. Um, but like anything, you know, if you want to push it to its extreme, I'm sure it would fail at some point. But, but with reasonable then, use, seems fairly sturdy. I would say anywhere you would put your cell phone in a good case, you, you'd be confident putting that. So I put mine in my back pocket and sit on a chair all the time. You're not going to break it by sitting on it. If you decide to use this to leverage open a door or break a lock, then I, I would think you could count it as, as road off. <laughs> That's fair. But, I mean, reasonable use seems good and sturdy. All right, so where does that leave us? Uh, get rid of that one. So the next one up is actually one from my side of things. Uh, and this is just a, literally a little pocket butane stove. It's one I personally have. Uh, I've ordered this in the past. I have experience with this one. It's it's a basic unit. Uh, there's not a lot of bells and whistles and stuff like that to it. But I mean, 20 bucks. You know what I mean? And you can get the butane, uh, isopropyl butane in a Canadian tire. I think it's $7, gives you a can. I bought one can, does me about a year, because I don't exclusively use this. But, I mean, it's very efficient, works fast. For 20 bucks, 27 if you buy the butane with it. But, I mean, honestly, just the head alone, uh, it's a great gift, because it's one of those things you always hum and haw if you need it as a bushcrafter. You always kind of want one, but you never really know if you want to buy one, because you always tell yourself, oh, I got my twig stove, or oh, I can cook in the campfire, or oh, I can do this, oh, I can do that. But the reality is having a nice stove like you know what i mean burner stove sometimes it's just so easy you fire it on you snap it it's quick instant heat and it really heats up a cup of water two cups of water really fast uh we did a boil test on one of these once i don't know if i ever fully published the video but anyway it's like a minute and a half to two minutes boils two cups of water so it's incredibly fast out in the winter uh the only thing is really cold temperatures sometimes can make them stumble a tiny bit but i mean it's got to be pretty cold yeah i i have a titanium smaller version of that and honestly for the weight difference um and the cost difference actually i don't think cost is huge the advantage with that one would give you a little bit more strength um so you know and it's what 3.3 ounces yeah it's not heavy at all uh, just hold on one sec there, Ben. I gotta flip back for a sec. Make sure that my audio is still going through. Everybody can still hear me, I assume, out there. No problems there, and they can still hear Ben. I switched over to my headset just to see. There's uh, Terra Scout said there was a tiny bit of feedback, and if I can get rid of it, I'll just switch over to my headset. It makes it easy. Uh, and it could so, be electrical interference with this silly monitor over here. So, but yeah, these these are great little stoves, and I agree with you 100. Um, percent Sometimes a little quick. Uh, isopropyl stove just makes a ton of sense um, especially I find on your your midday breaks and and what I'm saying with that is when you go on a break for the mid 
middle of the day, you're portaging or hiking, you don't want to set up a full fire, you don't want to set up a little stove, you just kind of want to eat quickly. And if it's been a cold, hard day, having a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, if you're you're that kind of person, uh, or just, you know, a warm bowl of soup, that, you know, dehydrated food that you quickly heat up, it, it makes makes the day go better. And something like that makes it quick and easy. So. And good point there. I totally forgot. My number one time when I use this is day trips. If I really want to get in far somewhere uh, in the shortest amount of time when I get there, I don't necessarily want to go through all the effort of making a fire or starting a twig stove. Or maybe it's just too hot out and I don't want to run the risk of it. Uh, this is really, really quick, real easy, real good to go. And like I said, sub 20 bucks. No problem there. Steve's asking there, says, uh, looks like a nice wide base, a pot base. And actually it is pretty good. Uh, I mean, for a GI cup or one of the 750 mil cups, actually, I, I hear that feedback coming through now too. Um, and I don't hear it on my, yeah, it sounds like it's coming through the desktop audio, which is kind of weird, but anyway, um, it's got a pretty good base on the bottom off it. Like, uh, the 750 cups, the GI cup, stuff like that, you'd have no problems on it whatsoever. If you were going with, like, a great big pot, you might find it a little stumbly, but, I mean, it would have to be a pretty big pot. Yeah. So. Um, if it's, if it's, Steve, I think it is, he's witnessed my titanium one fail, and we were just cooking something up, and it was a mid-sized pot, wasn't a ton of water in it, we were just trying to do coffee or tea for three of us, and it failed. Uh, so I'm kind of leery with my titanium right now. Works great, but when it heats to a certain level, it becomes unstable. Mm -hmm. um, so I, t I tend to now indicate that people should consider this one. Uh, we locked out on something very similar at, I think we got a whisper light um, in a thrift store that I've yet to properly test. Um, but we had the same problem in cold. If it does get cold... So like a minus 20 degree day, good luck getting those things to do more than a, a, a mild flame. And I guess that's the only hint I would give to these. If you are going to use them in very cold weather, uh, it is a good idea to take that canister of fuel out and tuck it inside your jacket for a few minutes. Don't put it directly on your skin because it is a cold metal cylinder. We don't want anyone getting frostbite. But if you can get it in there and get it warmed up a little bit, it is going to make it work a lot better. That's just kind of one of the downfalls. It's the same if it's propane, naphtha, any of those. It just doesn't vaporize as good as it can in colder temperatures because the flashpoint has been changed. And, and keep in mind that when it's running, it's going to cool down really quick. And if the air around it's cold, it, they will start to, uh, to sputter quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so, so they are really good in the summer. Warm days, they're awesome. And even into the fall and spring, in cold winter, you may want to have a backup plan. And it could be as little as a small bowl and just putting water in it because the water is at zero degrees, which is significantly better than frozen. <laughs> Or minus something, right? Exactly. Uh, just, just keep that in mind. But all those things aside, it's still a great gift for any bushcrafter, and they're going to appreciate it. Yeah. All right. So, all right, we're ma we're making pretty good time. I'm just kind of watch how many things we have left versus the time we got left. We're going along pretty good. So the next one up, it's uh, a ferro rod. Now everybody, like I said, doesn't matter. If you're a veteran bushcrafter, entry-level bushcrafter, a good ferro rod 
is worth its weight in gold. And these are actually some of the better ones that are still on the cheaper side. This is a two pack, a half inch by four inch. So, you know, nice big size on them. They're pre-drilled with a hole in them. Uh, if you wanted to spend a little bit more money, you can find these with handles pre-attached to them. Nothing wrong with that. But once again, I tried to keep this on, you know, the stocking stuffer price point. And what are we at? $21. That's shipping included with Prime. Uh, getting two of these. That's great. The, I would be hesitant to say these would be as good as like your $50, $80 ones. They're probably a little cheaper in material. But I can tell you that they're still, for the price point, going to be an amazing addition to anybody's kit. Yeah, I use a big ferro rod. Uh, I have one of the bigger ones. Honestly, I've been told that sometimes the cheaper ones work better. The thing is they wear out a little quicker. Yeah, and they have a tendency uh, to washboard, if anybody knows yeah. what I mean by that. And if you don't, there's something to look up when we're done. I sent you something else that we can add probably slightly after this. All right, just let me flip back here. Uh... All right, I see the one you want. We'll fire it in here. So next one up, while we're talking about fire starters, Soul Lighter. So this is something I've seen recently. I haven't tried using it, but I've seen other people using it, and it's a rechargeable lighter. And the only reason I, I suggest this as a possibility is not everyone is big on the ferro steel, and sometimes you need flame quick. And these things work by arcing electricity. So you can pre-charge the thing, uh, and it will essentially last forever if you keep it charged up. I don't know how many lights you would get on a single charge, but I think it's significant to, to cover a trip. Um, so I thought that would be something. I looked at it. I'm, I'm sorely tempted to get one just for the novelty of it. It says it can start over 100 fires on a single charge. So I'm going to assume that means 100 lights if they're... You know, basic math, one spark, one light. I'm going to assume it's about 100 lights. <laughs> yeah. So, um, honestly, how many fires do you start on a single trip? Probably a lot fewer than 100. You I mean, your, your main fire, probably once a night. Um, maybe lighting a candle or a lantern or something. So you're probably under 10 a day. Oh, so, yeah, for sure. I would probably peg it at more like maybe two or three a day. Honestly, maybe lighting this, the, you know, the stove for three meals. So breakfast, afternoon, and then probably a fire in the evening. And you may have the odd other ones. So four to five would be pushing it um, and not every day. So, yeah, a good thing to just throw in a pack, something oh, like that. Well, that's the thing. We've said this before. It's nice to have your primitive fire lighting materials and your methods and all that. If you want to rub two sticks together, by all means, I fully endorse it and I wish you the best of luck. The reality is, at the end of the day, if that fails, it's so much easier to grab a lighter and just light that fire. You know what I mean? <laughs> in my understanding, the arc in those things is extremely hot. So you will be able to get birch bark and small things to light pretty well with that. So, 
Alright. Whereabouts are we on our list? We did the ferro rods. Oh, here we go. Funny enough, talking about the stove. Uh, when I originally picked mine, I had these side by side. It's just literally a camp cup or a cook cup. This one's the stainless steel version. They do make them in titanium, which I think I listed a little further on here. But, yeah. I mean, for 750 mil, and we've talked about this in the past, 750 mil seems to be that nice all-around decent size it's big enough you can make a meal for yourself but it's small enough it still you know nests down and doesn't take up a whole lot of room in your uh, pack this one comes with a lid that has a built-in strainer as you can see on there which if people like mr noodles and stuff like that i thought was a great feature um and being the stainless steel it does handle heat a little bit better as ben was saying with the titanium there but at the cost if it's a little bit more weighty, you know what I mean? And it's going to hold heat a little longer than the titanium. What is titanium basically wants to take the heat off it. It's cool unless something inside it is hot, you know what I mean? But the, the steel will tend to hold the heat a little bit longer. It also gets a little dirtier and stuff like that. But the trade-off is it's generally cheaper. Uh, might be, you know, a little better around the heat and stuff like that. I mean, we could get into debate of whether aluminum, steel, or titanium is better. All three have their advantages and disadvantages. Yep. Uh, and 750, I find, is really good for one to two people. If you go in with a bit more, you may want to look at a liter, a liter and a half. Um, but for one to two people, yeah, you can cook most meals, easily make a cup of coffee. Um, nice folding handles. Doesn't take up a lot of space. Uh, you can do so much with those things. Uh, they are sort of the workhorse of your of your cook kit and i think everyone should have something similar in their pack um, and i i rarely leave without something like that mine are titanium now uh but for years i used stainless steel and aluminum and i still have an aluminum one i use to this day and like you said, there's no wrong material there's pros and cons to both it just do your research pick what's good for you um, so cook cup, we're sitting around the $25 mark so far. We're, uh, we're doing pretty good. Next one up is one of yours. This is a product that we both own, Ben, and we have both preached very high in praise. I, I can't say enough good things about this thing. It is an awesome little thing. I bought it for my wife. I have definitely stole it from her more times than I care to count. I have used up all the candles. I need to order more. Uh, but it is just the joy to have it's enjoyable to have it's just that little flame it's not so bright that it, it bothers you it's pretty easy the only only thing you want to keep in mind is if it is running and you move it around you get the wax on the glass you will have to disassemble it to clean the thing up it's not hard to clean uh, i use boiling water it mostly cleans off and wipe it down good a uh, bit of soapy water um other than that i have nothing to say negative about these things We've stuck them in outhouses. We stuck them up in tents. I hung them from the end of my hammock. Uh, it's it will stay lit pretty well all night um, on one candle. Uh, you you can use one to two candles most trips. If you blow it out at the end of the like when you're not needing it, you can these things will last for a long time. Uh, it's huge fun. Oh man, these things are wonderful. Uh, and Steve joining us here, Steve McDonald, we went out on a trip just a couple weekends ago to a camp. Uh, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was saying, Steve. This is the one that I had hung up over the table uh, and just let run all night. So it had that just little bit of light. So if you had to get up, because there was three of us staying in a little camp, 
And if you had to get up to go to the bathroom or something like that in the middle of the night, it's just enough light. You can get up. You're not falling out of the bunk. You're not tripping over stuff. You're not waking everybody up that's there. But it's dim enough that you can still very easily sleep comfortably with it. And it's not blinding you. It's not like that bright, aggravating light in the distance. And as Ben said, if you have this outside hanging from your guy line or something like that on your hammock or your tent setup, uh, as long as it's not sliding down and, you know, it's not windy out, this can be seen from a fairly good distance away. So if you do slip out and you need to go pee or relieve yourself or something like that in the woods, it's nice to not get disoriented in the dark, especially if you're not staying in a location you're somewhat familiar with uh we've talked about this before it's not really hard to wander away from your campsite just to go relieve yourself get in there maybe 25 50 feet and then get turned around especially if you're in places that you're not familiar with i, I really like it um i can't see it the only things we can add is there is a three candle version i'm not giving away anything am i we didn't... nope nope I, I should be able to bring that up too there is a three-candle version. It costs a little bit more, and I'm told you can actually cook on the three-candle version. Uh, there is. Um, I don't own that. It does give it a little bit more light. You cannot re really say, like, read with one of those running, um, but it is great for sitting around the picnic table, the, the, the table, wherever you're to, or at a camp. It gives you just enough light to see each other's faces. You can sleep with it, like you said. Um and it's, it's just, it gets put in my pack. I, get, I take it out, I use it. I and once again, it. the candles are very readily available, uh, just because I have this up, and I hope everybody can see it. You can buy a lot of these. Uh, it looks like 369 candles for $19. Um, you can get them in the standard wax, the beeswax, which are supposed to actually last up to 12 hours, or you can get the citronella if you want them to, uh, you know, handle bugs and stuff like that. Personally, I probably wouldn't buy the citronella. I just wouldn't want that extra residue and stuff inside the candle kit. Because I feel like unless you were in a camp or something like that, it's probably going to drift away more so. And, and maybe this is just me. No scientific method on this. This is just my gut feeling. Um, but the beeswax really interest me. They're just a little bit on the pricey side. It's 22, 34 yeah. for three of them. Uh, as where you're getting nine of the other ones for like 1977. I think I bought a three pack. Uh, yeah, it must be back over in the thing. And I think I got the three pack for like 11 bucks or something. So it's fairly inexpensive for what you get. Cause as Ben said, one of these candles generally burns all night. I think I got three nights out of mine. But, I mean, I didn't light it until we were basically ready to go to sleep. We used it specifically for the purpose of keeping a little bit of light. And the second I wake up in the morning and dawn cracks, I blow it back out. So most times it's only on for maybe five, six hours, you know what I mean? And there's a couple nights in there during the summer where it might have been on for three hours. So as long as you're managing it, these things last a very long time. Even if you don't manage it, you're getting nine hours out of the burn. Nine plus hours. So, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's great value, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it's it it's something that you know we we both used, we both enjoyed it. Uh, I've even had people like laugh at it, but then when they use it, they're like, "It's pretty good." <laughs> it's it's a surprising little thing, um, and it brings it, it 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 brings comfort level that that's surprising. It really is. What's up next? See what we got here. Uh, I'm trying to see where some of your last second editions fall in in the list here but they're up here a little bit so the next one up this is one i threw in and this is just a nicety 
Uh, this is a stocking stuffer, maybe for the higher end stocking stuffer, but I think you have one of these. This is a great right. piece of kit that any bushcrafter, new or veteran, will have a ton of fun out in the woods playing with. You can build chairs, you can build workhorses, you can build a ton of stuff with this. It really does open up a lot of doors for the inventive side of you. That's still a reasonable price at 35 bucks. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, great tool. Um, it's kind of a, a, a niche thing. Not everyone will have it. So when you pull that out, you know, it's it's going to get some oohs and some ahs, they think. And then, like you said, you can do so much with it. Uh, it's easy enough to, to use to make some tools. Uh, you'd be surprised what you can do with something like that. Like I said, or sorry, as Ben said, it's a quirky piece of gear. Not everybody has it. It's actually a fairly uncommon piece of gear. Uh, not that it's a rarity. It's just not super common. And it's kind of nice to pull out, and you do get that ooze and ahs and stuff like that. And it is a lot of fun. It is a ton of fun. I, I really like those um, mildly, uh, I want to put it, common gear. Like you see a lot of bush crafters use it. You see it on some of the channels, but not everyone has it because it's not an essential piece of gear. But you get at a campsite, you got a bit of extra time, or you got something on to go, and offline's pull something like that out. And everyone's going to get excited to see it, and they're going to want to play with it. And next thing you know, you've built a chair in the middle of the woods for no apparent reason. <laughs> but I mean, that's or, the fun of it, right? Yeah, right. Or you built a shelter you didn't need for. <laughs> but it does give you some options, and it's one of those pieces of gear that, for yourself, you would have a hard time talking yourself into it. You know, 35 bucks for a piece of gear I might use a couple times a year. It's really neat, but maybe I'll buy that uh, cooking pot instead, or that lighter instead, or something like that. It's one of those pieces that everybody kind of wants but it's a hard sell to buy it for yourself. You know what I mean? Or at least that's the way it comes off to me. And I know we've talked about this in the past too. We've always wanted one and talked about it. And it was like, oh, you know, I'll eventually get around to buying it. But it was always the first one to kind of get knocked off the unnecessary list. But anyway, yeah, neat piece, uh, neat piece of gear for 35 bucks. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think it's a good deal. Alright, so, we are at about half hour. We're about halfway through. And we're just about halfway through. So we did mention twig stoves earlier. This is one I threw on there. We're looking at $37 on sale right now, plus you get a $2 off with a coupon. If you so want to... Oh, sorry, go ahead. So this is a wood gas stove, right? This is a wood gas fine stove. And if you were looking at a first twig stove, um, personal opinion... Not a professional opinion. Personal opinion, this is one of the ones I would lean to to get somebody. Um, for a couple reasons. They pack down nice and light. It gives you a couple different options. You can use this with an alcohol stove. Uh, it has a little ash pan on it. It has a little grate on it if you want to try something like that. It has a decent width of uh, pot base on it. It's pretty stable. Uh, and it's pretty tough. You know what I mean? And it doesn't take a whole lot of knowledge to run one. No. The downsides, you're not getting any great fire in this thing. Uh, it's pretty small. You have to tend the fire quite regularly. It's not like you can just stuff it full and it'll stay going for any amount of time. You are pretty much constantly feeding it. This one specifically, uh, you have to remove the pot to put wood into it. You have to put it down through the top. That's kind of an annoyance, but it's not a deal killer. Uh, bouncing back to the other side of this, you can run one of these on wood pellets. Yes, I have done so. 
Uh, now, mine has the door to put stuff in. Um, and I really do enjoy mine. I, I, I've shown it a few times on the podcast. Um, and the only thing I would say is you do have to really process your wood. You can't get like large chunks in there. Uh, you really want almost wood chips or pellets, something that size or bigger, uh, small branches, but it doesn't, it is efficient. So what you can cook for the amount of wood you're putting in it, I mean, you feed it a lot, but it doesn't burn a huge volume. Um, and it's, it's very compact. Uh, and the other thing I would mention is it's not necessarily the cleanest burning stove out there. So do expect the black soot on the back on the bottoms of your pans. Other than that, uh, you know, it's a great option. And I think the beauty is for a longer trip, the fuel is readily available. You don't have to worry about running out of fuel and not being able to keep, keep going. So. And I like this one because it does, for the newer person or somebody that's been out there a little bit, it does teach you the importance of processing your wood and stuff like that. It's You can't really cheat with this stove super successfully, but as long as you stick to processing your wood, as Ben said over here, uh, it's a pretty easy stove to maintain and keep running. So, you know what I mean? Some of the, the twig boxes and things like that, sometimes they can get a little finicky because the air doesn't feed in exactly right, or they can sometimes get loose and wiggle and things like that. This is just a good entry-level stove. But yeah, so we're at about the $37 mark. We're still not super expensive, and we're getting in... We've talked about some really great pieces of gear. Uh, I think the prices start jumping a little bit now after the next one, but uh, still not in the realm of insanity. None of our stuff is in the realm of insanity. So now we're going to kick it into gear a little bit. Next one up. This oh, is because we're cheap. <laughs> frugal. I'm frugal. I like to say that. Not cheap. I'm frugal. But uh, no, I like to, I like people getting the best bang for their buck. Uh, I don't have a lot of money to do this hobby, so I like to be able to get the most out of my money. And this is a lot of stuff that I have, a lot of this I have experience with. I have one of these stoves, we have one of those UFO candles, um, I have some of those ferro rods, and this is all stuff that I found works really well for the money you pay, and that's kind of where I was coming from with my gifts, oh, gift ideas. However, this next one... Uh, one from your list there, Ben, this is the open L knives and you and I actually have one of these. It was given to us by one of our viewers. Uh, I'm hoping yours. Oh, mine's right here. I was going to say, I couldn't find mine in my bag over there. That's because it's on my desk. Um, so we do have one of these, so we do have experience and we do, uh, we can actually talk about these a little bit, as you can see so, there. Chris, before I have mine on me, uh, it may, I use it every day. Uh, I have it on and I. I'm pretty sure I used it today to open something, but maybe I had, I left it at work and I didn't. Uh, I'd have to go through my stuff here. But yeah, no, open L knife, small, uh, a lightweight knife, it holds a really nice edge. The only thing I would put on it is a relatively thin edge. Mm -hmm. So it's delicate. I wouldn't, I wouldn't use it for heavy duty stuff. So if you if you're doing hardwood and carving things that are. are big chunks and really like twisting on it. I think you could damage this knife easily. You could definitely damage the edge. So use it for the appropriate things. I could really see it as a fruit food prepping knife, uh, opening packages, string, stuff like that. Very much so. If I was getting the heavier carving, I would probably use a, a different knife. 
We have carving knives that we've used. I didn't put any on my list. Maybe you did on yours. We'll see. No. We had those uh, last but, year, so I didn't want to repeat the wheel. Yeah. But we, we you know, if, if you're wondering about that, watch last year's episode. It is still as valid today as it was last year's. <laughs> um. Yeah, so that, that's actually exactly what I used mine for. And once again, uh, Steve can verify this. Last time we were out, I took it and I used it exclusively as my camp knife. So all my food processing, all my little work and stuff like that was done with this knife. Held up very well. As Ben said, the edge can be a little delicate. You don't want to get in there twisting around and hitting on harder materials and cutting up next to bone. It's probably going to cause you a little bit of issue. But uh, for like cutting meat, opening packages, chopping up vegetables, slicing things, this thing was awesome. And I kind of like that it's a little bit delicate simply because then I tend to leave it specifically for that use. Because I'm a bad person for my hip knife becomes my all-around knife. I will take it straight from cleaning a deer to carving a stick to cutting my steak. You know what I mean? And it's not a bad thing. But you tend to get different, like, you set your knife up for different things, and an all-around knife is good in theory, it's one of those things that works good at a lot of things, but not really well at any specific thing. And especially for food prep, it's nice just to have a dedicated knife, and that way you're not cross-contaminating and stuff like that. I'm the first one to admit I'm not as good as I should be for watching out for cross-contamination. I'm still alive. But uh, I am pretty, I, I don't want to say old school, maybe silly is the word of uh, I don't mind eating a little bit of dirt and stuff like that. I think it's good for the immune system. Now that's probably going to be my dying words on my gravestone. You know, here lies Robert thought it was appropriate to eat dirt. I can just see it, but um, I don't mind that kind of stuff. But it is nice to have a dedicated knife for food prep. That was something I really enjoyed. Um, yeah, it I, I think we've talked about this before. Neither one of us is ever would ever be found other than on an airplane with one knife. <laughs> yeah. So Steve did use this knife a little bit, and his comment was uh, he did try to do a little bit of feather sticking with it, and he did say it is a delicate edge. And I know, like, I tried doing a little bit of uh, carving and stuff with it because this is when I was taking it out to test it. As we said, our, uh, a viewer has actually donated us two of these knives for us to test and uh to put into our own kits because we didn't have one and huge shout out to them. Uh, we mentioned that in another podcast. So shout out back to that and a good reason to go back and listen to other podcasts. If this is your first time here, but yeah, great knife. It's nice having that dedicated edge just for food prep and it fits in your pocket. It's a nice folding knife with a unique white wood handle. Uh, and I kind of like that about this. It does have that walking ring collar around it. So it still has a walking blade feature and stuff like that. It's a still nice, safe knife. But it's a really nice knife with a very simplistic design, which is hard to get. A lot of knife makers overcomplicate things for no reason. There are other versions of this knife, and I'm tempted to get a few and see what they are like. If some of them have a heavier blade and stuff like that. But yeah, I uh, highly recommend it. We have the number eight. I believe that this one is a number eight. Um, there are yes. some slightly handle designs and stuff. Um, mine is blue. Yours is red. Or orange red yeah. ish yeah uh but yeah no solid knife i really do like it uh but again it has that fine edge i have really other than when i first got it it had a wire edge i quickly cleared that up and i hardly had to do anything with since and i have been thoroughly testing it mine needs to be sharpened i'm noticing i can't shave hair on my arm but like i said i <laughs> kind of put it through the paces when i was out there so i kind of expected it to uh 
damage the edge a little bit. I was trying to carve some hardwood and stuff like that, so I'm not really surprised. But I mean, it's still oh. sharp. It's just not hair popping sharp. Don't get me wrong. What are we else do we got? Okay, moving up. on. Uh, what do we got here? Looks and feels beautiful in the hand. Yeah, Steve is really appreciative of this knife, and that's the other thing. It's aesthetically, it's a nice knife. Yeah, no. <laughs> all right, That's 38. Yep, all right, so this is the next one. This is you, Ben. This is... Uh... So this is, this is a kit I've, I bought in pieces and built sort of this um, for myself. Uh, and the other piece of it will come up later. Um, but it's a deflator kit. So if you are heading into the woods and you're going to be in questionable traction, you're on rough roads... It does help to be able to deflate your tires a few PSI, uh, and this kit makes it quick and easy. So those little brass things go back one slide. Um, those brass things can be preset. All you do is you, you get a tire at the pressure you want, and you just back it off till it starts to leak, and then tighten it up, and then use that locking ring to lock it in place. I did mine all the 15 PSI. It took me about five minutes um, to do all of them. I was very happy. Then I flated my tires back up. Now they're all set and locked and they're put in my bag. Um, and this is for when I go into the back roads, the fire roads, the, whatever you want to call them. You put those that slightly lower power or PSI. You don't lose much in the way of clearance, but what you do is you gain a lot in traction and you gain a lot in suspension. So your tires then have sort of absorb things and it takes the stress off the rest of your vehicle. So not only do you have better traction, you have better suspension, uh, and it's really going to help you with your vehicle. What it will hurt a little bit is your is your gas mileage, but honestly, the trade-off is definitely worth it. Uh, when you get back to the highway, just reinflate your tires, and off you go. Um, so this is a good little kit. It, it has the deflators. They're very simple. Um, some advice, lube them up. Put a little lubrication in them, just a, a drop of oil in each one. Uh, apparently, it will give you a much more consistent uh, result. Um, some people have tested that. I've watched the videos. I've, I've followed it. So I just put a little bit of lube on each one. And uh, this set comes in a nice case and a, a gauge. The thing I like about these gauges is they're generally locking. So when you put them on your tire, it hits your PSI. It stays there. You can look at it. You hit the button. It resets. Um, so... Yeah, that's what I have to say about this. If you want to add something? Well, no, the, the, I don't have a lot to say to it because I don't own one. Uh, and I think you summed it up real good. The only thing I noticed over here was Red Bear Tactical joined us, said the deflators are awesome once you have them all set up. And Red Sand Adventure said he needed a set. And the second I seen this come up, the first person I thought of was RSA there. Because I know he's into the, he's getting a vehicle already up there. And if nobody's checked out their, his YouTube channel yet or their YouTube channel that, uh, jump over and check it out. Um, there's some good stuff over there. They're going to be doing some vehicle camping and this is definitely something you folks need, uh, because it's going to make those banging around the backwoods and stuff just a little bit more enjoyable for you. And it'll take some of the work out of it. If you do have to drop your PSI, this is way simpler. Ben used them. He thinks they're great. I tend to trust what Ben says because I do know when he says he's tested them. That doesn't mean he set them and pushed the button and like, oh, they work good. No, he's probably taken these out and beaten around the backwoods and known that they're holding up a little bit. So you can kind of go from there. If it was me, I would trust that 100%. You folks do your thing. But I, I, I know Ben would test these things. That being said, I want to throw one thing out there. I wouldn't personally leave those things on when you're driving around. And I'll tell you the reason. 
is in impacts they may lose a bit more psi and i just wouldn't want to damage them so run them on but you screw all four of them on you know take a drink of water or whatever by the time you're finished they're all good undo them put your caps back on drive away they do say you can leave them on and drive and they'll depressurize as you're going i just wouldn't do it just under on the risk that a something hits one and knocks it off and you lose too much pressure or that you just generally damage it. You get dirt in them and it won't work properly. So keep them clean, keep them in the bag. But yeah, drops your pressure pretty quick um, and under controlled circumstances. All four tires are losing pressure at the same time. You don't have to sit there and watch and fill with your little gauge. Uh, I think the next part of this, uh, it's actually two ahead, but I'm just going to fire it in next just to kind of roll with the theme on this one. So keep on trucking, Ben. Tire pressure. Yes, the tire gauge. So this is the other thing to sort of add on to this. I bought all this this summer and, I, and I'm really excited to use it. Uh, I've been playing with it quite a bit. Is Yeah, this is is a heavy duty, decently fast, and the price is right. I've, I've seen bigger ones, more expensive ones. They have the clips to go right on your battery. I highly recommend you do. Uh, running that right off your cigarette lighter very well will burn out a fuse and you'll be uh, regretting it um but yeah these things uh there's a few different versions um but yeah this is the company i bought from the pressure is good it worked fast i was able to put it on my tire and it was only a few few minutes a few short minutes to put that 15 psi back on my tire uh, and then i went around and checked all my other tires and, and played with it and it, it seems like something that i trust to go uh, a lot so that's now in my bag. I have a, a box in the back of my vehicle, and I put my whole kit in that little cloth bag that it comes with. So the black um, bag up here? Yeah. I am going to trust the gauge on my – I think mine has the analog gauge, but I do trust the gauge on my actual my, my separate singular gauge than the one on the on the machine. Uh, it's it's good to get you in the ballpark, but use, use a, a, a separate one to verify. So the other reason I wanted to roll this right over behind the other one was because Red Bear Tactical followed up with definitely need a quality compressor to go with the deflators that we had talked about previously. And I know this was something that you had done a fair bit of research on. And by fair bit of research, we have mentioned before that sometimes we become a little compulsive with the research that we tend to do. And um, you, You've seen me talking about that for about a year before I bought it. At least a year. Oh, at least. So, a couple of comments. RSA, Red Sand Adventures. I have airbags in my truck. Do you know if you could tap into the compressor to air up uh, my tires? So, my question would be, RSA, do you have a compressor that auto-inflates your airbags? Or do you have to manually set yours? Because I have seen both. A lot of quarter tons and stuff like that. You have to externally inflate or deflate the airbags. It's just kind of stabilize it out when you have a heavy load on the back. More than self-adjusting, self-leveling. So if it has a pump built in, all you have to do is see what your maximum PSI is on that pump. Once again, airbags, depending on where you're going, can be anywhere from like 90 to 210 PSI. Higher, depending on the size, uh, you know, the size of your airbags and stuff like that. But as long as it has a compressor, I would imagine that you can poke into that with some sort of air chuck and you'd be able to attach it to do your inflating and stuff like that my suggestion if you do that though is do it somewhere closer to the compressor uh and that's somewhere tucked up 
where it can't easily get damaged because by putting something like that in, you're going to affect the structural integrity a tiny bit, so you don't want it like flopping around. Just make sure everything is good and uh, secured to the frame and stuff like that. With like big trucks, 18-wheelers, whatever you want to call them, uh, I know it's a pretty common thing that you'll tie into the air that usually inflates the seats and stuff like that. You can put in an air gun. Uh, it aids in the cleaning of your cab and things like that. Or you can tie into it on the outside and you can literally put like an air compressor into it to uh, inflate a tire or something like that if you need to. Or you can put it onto the glad hands. So I assume you should be able to do that for a smaller version as well. Uh, not a mechanic, not an engineer. I would do your research for sure, but I imagine there's a way to do it. What's your thoughts, yeah. Ben? Uh, I haven't really worked with, uh, with uh, airbags. I know there's aftermarket airbags you can put in that you need a separate compressor to use, and I think something like this would easily do that. Um, but look at the pressures you need for the work you're going to be doing. Um, some of these that I chose, I chose one specifically like this one, I think is 70 liters per minute, which is almost twice as much volume as a lot of the other ones you can get on the mm -hmm. market. Um, but you oftentimes see a payoff on that where the max pressure is maybe a hundred PSI, where some of the cheap ones that are like 20 or 30 liters per minute, but they can do 300 PSI. The thing is I don't need three, 300 PSI, but I do need 70 liters per minute because I'm planning on filling up for oversized tires and I don't want to be there for two days. And the cheap ones, I have had them almost melt doing one tire. And so mm. I know what you mean. They overheat real easy. Uh, I've seen that a too. Them, a lot of them have a duty cycle of say five minutes and then a 10 minute wait or 10 minutes and a five minute wait. And the problem is if you're filling up four tires and you, it takes two or three breaks. Now you're looking at an hour, hour and a half to fill up your tires you're going to kind of wish you had a hand pump at that point, right? Um, so just to address a comment from here, uh, Red Bear Tactical saying that the airbag air systems generally don't have enough cubic feet of airflow yeah. through them. The reason I asked if it had a built-in compressor is a lot of times when they do have the built-in compressor, they'll have an air bladder system or like an air pig system that'll generally hold the bulk of your air. Uh, once again, pulling my knowledge from like 18 wheelers, I, I'm not super familiar with the smaller airbag setups. A buddy of mine used to run one and I know he did some stuff with it, but with the bigger ones, uh, there's generally some sort of, you know, big tank that's going to hold the majority of the air. That way, if there was like a sporadic loss in pressure or something like that, it can counteract it a little bit until you get stopped and safely <laughs> maneuvered. Uh, cause otherwise if it doesn't have some sort of air system holding there, if something leaks, uh, it just drains out and you don't really notice it until it's too late. Um, but once again, not super familiar with the smaller vehicle setups. The only one that I'm, that I, you know, had anything to do with a buddy of mine owned a Toyota Tacoma and he had air ride suspension added into the back, but it was external filling. It didn't come with a compressor built in. You manually had to go in and set the bags, but all it was was up against the bump stops. So the leaf springs were still taking a lot of the, the play into it and the bump stops were actually the air ride and that way it couldn't compress down and, you know, over flex the frame and stuff like that because it was a, you know, quarter ton truck and he wanted to carry weight in it. I think he ended up getting the airbags like at an auction or something for a ridiculous price and basically like, well, I got them now. I might as well put them in. And so, yeah. Uh, okay, I'll check that out and then do more research. The pickups don't usually have the tanks unless it's aftermarket. And that's what I mean. 
Um, that's a good buddy Tacoma. Uh, this was an aftermarket tank. Like the whole setup was obviously aftermarket, but I, I have seen them online with this air pig t tank. And I assume you could probably poke one of those in after as well. But that, that, that said, if you really want to talk about this, we can do some research and maybe have a live chat about this at another time. Because <laughs> I could dive down this rabbit hole pretty hard. Uh, anyway, so yeah, air compressor definitely goes with the deflators. Uh, did you have anything else to say on that, Ben? I was just going to say, knowing what Red Bear Tactical does for a living, I do know that he's experienced a lot of this, especially with the larger industrial trucks. So he would have probably some pretty good points. Yeah, uh, I tend to trust his opinion. As for the smaller vehicles, honestly, it varies. I've seen a minivan that had a compressor designed for topping up tires, and I've also seen SUVs that um, I don't think had anything that would be able to really help you with your tires. So each system would be relatively unique. Make sure that you're not stressing the system to the point of failure. If it can't do the volume and you're running four tires, then it wouldn't take long to melt, you know, to, to break it down. And it may have safety devices. It may not. If it doesn't, all of a sudden now you do not have air ride suspension and you may still have flat tires. Mm. So keep that in mind. All right, where are we at? Ooh, we're almost at an hour, and we still got a couple left. So let's kick her moving. So this is just a short one for me. This probably would have come before the other one, but for the yeah. smoothness of things, uh, this is just another one of those cook pots. This happened to be the titanium version, and all it was was comparison on price point. The titanium one, I think, is around 25 bucks. It was a few back. This is about $40. Same style of cup. Uh, it's the 750 mil one. Uh, very it has the, the strainer on top. So, I mean, kind of comparing apples to apples uh, and just the different price there. Like I said, the titanium is going to heat up a little better. A lot of people like it more. Ben has experience with titanium. Uh, he has good things to say about it. So if you did want to spend a little additional money, that's all this slide was in there for, to be honest with you. So my, my biggest gripe with titanium since I've got it was with the stove, with my pots and stuff, I have virtually no gripes um except for the price but honestly i think it's worth it um it's filled with water it never gets over 100 degrees it's not going to fail i have other titanium items um since you have it up there and there's something that's relatively dirt cheap you can get that actually makes those much better and it's this stuff um reflectix i think mm -hmm. they call it it's like a bubble wrap style stuff with this shiny stuff on either side. Guys make cozies for these things. If you want to do a, like a nice little favor for your bushcraft buddy, find out what size pot he got, makes a little co cozy out of this stuff, wrap it with a bit of duct tape to keep it all nice and good, and he'll put his pot inside that. He'll get rid of the little cloth pot that he carries it with, and all of a sudden when he cooks, when he boils the water in that, he'll put his food, he'll put it in that cozy, and he can put it aside. It saves a ton of fuel. It'll cost you pennies, and uh, I mean, you could buy you can buy kits of that stuff for twenty, thirty bucks, I think, and uh, you can make enough cozies for everyone you know. <laughs> so, I got this one. I was at a thrift store. It was sitting outside the door, like there was it was tossed, and I just I, I said to the wife, I said, Pick, if that's still there when we leave, I'm taking it. And we walked out, and it was still there. And I'm like, I guess I got it. lost my game. So I have enough now to make a whole bunch of these cozies, and that's what I'm planning on doing. Just something to think about. It sits here at my workstation. Um, yeah, uh, a good good idea for a kit. Uh, so, yeah. All um, right. 
So next up, this one is a different item. We haven't talked. We have talked about these in the past, but we haven't offered them up. Little high-end item here. Uh, we are up around that $100 mark. This is for the person that does a little bit of cold weather camping and needs to keep their feet warm. There's different versions off it. This just happened to be the, you know, more reasonable priced ones I've seen. This varies between $52.50 and $69.99 depending on size and color and all that nonsense. If you want a different color, me, I buy what's cheap. We've talked about this, you know. I'm frugal, but anyway, uh, and all these are is glorified oversocks. So it's going to keep your feet warm. Sleeping in a sleeping bag, sleeping in a hammock, especially when the cooler weather's out there and you got a little air uh, blowing over you, you can get cold spots. And the common cold spots is like the smaller your back and your feet. It always seems like you're a struggle trying to keep those warm. If your sleep system fails anywhere, that always seems to be where it's going to be. Uh, and this is one of those items I have looked at numerous times going, man, I wish I had a set of these but it's also that luxury item that's hard to drop money on uh, how much was that one 52.50 up to 69.99 oh you can get them cheaper than that buddy oh for sure uh, this just happened to be one that uh, i pulled up uh i just know a little bit about this brand name i know a couple yeah. people with them so I, I just went with what i knew i know you can buy other ones at a much cheaper price but i don't know anything about them these ones i know are really nice you know bougie I had a set of red ones, and my wife has a set of a black one. I think they were both made by Sundick, so my wife has a black Sundick. Um, it's just funny. Uh, uh, and I think we paid like 30 bucks a piece for them. Yep. Mine have disappeared. I cannot find them. I, I am rather disappointed that I can't find them. And I can even remember the last time I used them, and I've been looking for them ever since, and they've just disappeared. Uh, but I love them. Uh, you can buy them duck down, goose down, um, booties. They they compress to next to nothing. They're really not super durable for walking around on. No. Those look like they may have slightly better soles. These actually have walking around soles. One, you know, once again, you're paying a little more for it. Make the decision what you're going to use them for. If you're going to sleep with these on your feet and you find like the the, the foot box of your, if your feet are what gets cold when you're camping. Something like that. You just don't want to be walking around and then slide them into your sleep bag because you're going to make it dirty. Or if you're going to do, make sure you wipe them down before you get in. But man, it made a difference, and I, I miss mine. <laughs> so, and and it was looking for something to send me a new pair of duck down size large or extra large sized. <laughs> you know, it can be oversized. <laughs> So these don't, are the ones you just buy. sent me as well. These are thirty-one fifty-nine. So I mean, way better price. Uh, they yeah. seem to have good reviews. I just I don't know anything about this brand name. Yeah, and I don't either. But that that would be something I would potentially buy. So there isn't quite a range. Probably as low as twenty-five bucks or so. You can find these things. Um, you know, if you look around a bit. Um, but de yeah, definitely something to consider if you you're doing winter camping, fall camping, uh, and you get cold feet. Uh, some good booties that you can just slide on and uh, sleep with. And just when you're just sitting in, in the camp or sitting in a hot tent and you just want to keep your feet warm and you don't want to have big, heavy, bunk, clunky boots. So I have a pair of Baffin, I think they're Baffin, winter boots that are rated for something ridiculous, like, like a minus 100 or something. It's just ridiculous. And they're so warm. But they're also the size of a small house. Yeah. 
They're much like mine. Thing. I think mine are minus 60. They're no minus 100. But still, you can hear these things coming from a good 200 feet away. Yeah. Uh, but mine, I, I went in on the Christmas Eve sales last year. I was in, in Cabela's. And I think somebody had given me a Cabela's card, one of my co-workers or my boss, I think. And I put it towards it. I think I got 60 bucks. And it was on sale for less than 100 So I picked it up for change, honestly. And I've used them a few times. I used them fishing earlier this year. And, man, I have warm feet. Other people had cold feet, but I have warm feet. So um, that was off topic, but fun. Yeah. Okay. And okay. Is there anything? Yep, we got a couple left. We got four left. And we're already oh, okay. at our hour, so we got to power through here, bud. Uh, so this one. I loved this one that you added. It was something that didn't uh, come up on my list, but as soon as I see it, it was like, oh, that's a no-brainer. So go for it. Denima, uh, Amsteel, call it what you want. This string, it is my version of paracord. This stuff does not stretch. It is super strong, like ridiculously strong. Like th this stuff is probably rated for 2000 pounds at 764. I was going to say, this is what my whoopee slings are made out of. And they're rated at like a thousand pounds each or something. You, you can suspend a 300 pound man between two trees with this stuff and not worry about it. You can probably help tow your car with just a couple lashes of this thing. well i think i told you to this when i bought the original whoopee slings i bought two sets and i actually towed my car with my ranger off one of these i mean i was yeah. pretty dainty it was flat ground i wasn't towing it out of the ditch or anything like that but i was just like there's no way this stuff is as strong as they say it is and i still have those whoopee slings i just put the good ones on my dynamic of course but i still got those out in the sunroom uh these ones here say they're rated for 880 kilograms or uh, um, 1900 pounds 1938 pounds just shy of 2000 pounds ridiculous amount it is a lot of fun so this is where you can learn how to make whoopee slings um what's the other ones uh orcs uh, uh there's other other things you can make i was making soft shackles out of this stuff yep um basically ridge lines it's great for ridge lines because it won't flex Ah, you can make up predetermined pre um, guidelines using the same method as the as the uh, whoopee slings, and it's really easy to adjust. And honestly, there is no wind that is going to break this, uh, so it it will not be the weak point in any system. Uh, so I've used this stuff. The guidelines I use, I use a lighter version called Lash It or Sling It, mm -hmm. uh, but the same type of material. Uh, learn how to do a berry and you're there's so much you can do with this stuff and it really it's not a great knot material uh you don't really want to be tying knots into it and all that it is much better to use the proper splicing methods uh but get into it i, I highly recommend if you're a bushcrafter and you want something you know everyone uses the the uh, paracord it, it, to me it's worn out uh but it stretches it's not a great rope, honestly. Uh, the advantage it has is, is the multi-strands inside that you can use for other things. Uh, but honestly, buy the right line for the job, and you don't need that. So oh, go sure. out and buy some, fish, buy some fishing line, get some lash, get some of this stuff, put a few you know, skeins, whatever you want to call it, a few lengths into your pack, and you're never going to regret it. This stuff... I used it for absolutely everything. I bought that lash it. I've been using it over and over for anything and everything. 
I think it came with 200 or 300 feet in it, and it, I've I've made guidelines out of it. I made whoopee slings for for the kids' hammocks out of it. I think that stuff it's like an eighth or less. It's rated for 400 plus pounds. Like, oh yeah, I'm sure. I, it's I insane what this stuff is rated for. I could suspend you with these fine ones, but the thing is, nobody would look at it and say, "Yeah, that's going to hold Ben or Robert." They, they wouldn't do it, right? <laughs> Um, so Red Bear here, uh, just going back to the boots, he says he's not sure who rates the boots, but sometimes it's not right. He's got boots yeah. that's rated for over minus 100, and he can tell you at minus 50 his feet were cold. I don't care who you are, at minus 50 and anywhere beyond that, it's just cold in general. Um, There's no one. <laughs> and then what's he say? That's the same material that they use for wench line, and that's right. Like the stuff that we're talking about here, it's the same stuff for wench. And he said the same size as the steel wench that's on his wench for his vehicle it's rated for twenty five thousand pounds i mean the wench on my atv is rated for six thousand pounds and it's using this stuff on there too yeah so it's equivalent strength to the same diameter of steel and the, the beauty is with in a wench if it ever fails the steel cable has stretch and when it comes back it comes back with the force of a god and it will i've seen videos where it ripped through cars it took people's heads off like mannequins it's just violent. This stuff lets go. It doesn't let go at the same force. It'll leave a mark, but it probably won't cut you in half. So uh, I think the stuff is awesome. Does it have some downsides? It does, um, but they're pretty few and minor. Uh, it, it is a little bit more uh, prone to abrasion than steel cable. Uh, but honestly, I've been using the same set of whoopee slings since I got it, and I've had absolutely no trouble. Um, I, I highly recommend this as something for a bushcrafter. You know, fifty bucks, but that—that's two hundred feet, I think. Yeah, that is two two hundred or two hundred feet. And Red Bear just made a good point, and this was something that I noted in the instructions when I bought mine. Direct UV sunlight kills this stuff. It will deteriorate in sunlight if it's left out in direct sunlight for long periods of time. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, but, if you're using this whoopee slings and stuff like that, generally it's covered over a little bit. And you're, you're sleeping in it. In the morning, you generally take it down. You might leave it up for one or two days. It's not hurting it. But, yeah, if you left it up year-round, it would fail quick, more quickly. Um, but, yeah, no, great stuff. Um, and it's great fun. So a bushcrafter could definitely get a ton of fun out of this. Trust me. <laughs> You'll geek From out. From experience. Uh, yeah. This was another one of yours, Ben. Uh, I did have the Sawyer Mini in there, but I had taken it out because we had it on past years. But I like this one. So this is one, a buddy of mine, Chris, got me into it, I think. And then my wife got one. And I, I'm pretty sure this is the one that they're using, maybe a smaller version of it. But it's, uh, what, what was it called? Go Be Free? Yeah. Be Free? <clears throat> it, be free. The, reason, the, the reason they like this over the Sawyer Mini was if you're out in a canoe or kayak, you just open it up, put it in, close it up, and you can drink through it a little bit easier, a little bit freer than the Sawyer Mini. Can you do it with the Mini? Yes. This is just a little bit easier. It has a similar filtration system in it, um, but they found it a little bit easier to on to go. Uh, I am not dissing or telling people don't get the Sawyer Mini because I still think it's the superior system, but this one is a great on-to-go one. We've already covered the Sawyer Mini. Um and, and I'm not telling anyone that there's anything wrong with that. I'm saying this is another alternative. And honestly, what do we always say? One is none. Two is one. Yep. Something can happen to one system or the other. Having a couple of systems makes sense. And I agree. I don't have a lot to say on this one because you pretty much summed it up, Ben. Uh, 
it's it's, it's a great second item. Yeah. Sorry, uh, I know I'm I'm hitting things hard today. <laughs> you're, just, you're just too efficient, Ben. Uh, another one. Uh, I had a different saw in here. We're going to talk about that in a second because you had the same one. But this was a great one too from Lee Valley for a nice folding saw. I like the price on this one too. I've looked it up. It's it's on Amazon for quite a bit more, like fifty percent more. Like it, uh, this was one I found in Lee Valley. I liked it. I looked at it. I thought it was really cute. It's small enough to fit in a pocket, so it's hence the pocket boy. Uh, Silky is a great brand name. Everyone seems to like it. It was really popular for quite a while, and a lot of people were using the Gone Boy. That I mean, this thing was like a samurai sword when it yeah. was open, and it had a handle that two hands and of two people could be the full but this one small compact comes in a nice little plastic case i may or may not have one uh but uh or more precisely i may have bought one as a christmas gift for someone um but i you know i thought it was a great little thing uh we we're always looking for a quick efficient way to cut branches twigs things like that you would probably not be cutting large trees down with this thing but the average thing that you would burn in a campfire this will quite efficiently do and it doesn't take up a ton of room i don't know what the weight is but i don't remember feeling that it was overly heavy 7.2 ounces so half a pound uh what can you do with half a pound um you know for for someone like me and robert we take 50 pounds so that's one one hundred one percent of the weight we take <laughs> wouldn't even notice it no uh, um so, Chris Jones says, I prefer these smaller size saws. I've used the big ones, but then I have to carry them around. Uh, and there's yeah. some truth to that. You know what I mean? The bigger it is, the more you have to carry. And Red Sand Adventure says he likes this too. I have a saw that was very similar to this. It was not the the um, Silky Boy or the Silky Pocket Boy. It was a, a clone. And I can yeah. tell you there is a difference in quality. You do get what you pay for when you buy the brand name sometimes. Uh, that is very true with most saws. When you you can buy uh, the you can buy something similar looking at at the dollar store, and it will cut a tree. You're going to work harder for it, and it's going to dull quick, and you're going to be tossing it. These things I think will last a lot longer. There's a reason they cost what they cost. They're using better steel, better material. Um, these things are popular with arborists. Uh, and that type of thing. These guys use quality material. Uh, it's at sold at Lee Valley. So generally we, we say if you're looking for quality, Lee Valley's a good good go. So if you're seeing something at Lee Valley, it's either a really good price or decent quality. In this case, I think you're getting both. And Red Bear there, this was another brand name I had thought of too. He says, Fisher's makes a nice pocket saw as well. And that, that is another good brand name as well. And we're not saying Silky is the best out there. It just happened to be a good price for what you're getting here. Definitely do a little research. There's a lot of other great saws like this too. Uh, and it, like, um, like Chris was saying there, it's a good form factor. It's not overly huge. It's not super small. It's a good all-around saw as long as you're not trying to go in there and, you know, mill lumber. Yeah, you're not cutting down a giant redwood with this, but then again, I don't think you are with many other saws. But you can cut decent-sized branches, probably anything under four inches, this will do a great job of. All right, and last but not least, we each had a version of this on there. I had the 21, uh, Ben threw the three on here, because it is worth talking about all three. And this is, of course, 
the Agua Boreal Series Saws. They come in 15, 21, 24, different price points, 86, 92, 105. Uh, different lengths, all the same fold-up function. Um, but these are a nice saw, and you have one of these, don't you, Ben? You've I mentioned have, it have, numerous times. I, I have one. I love it. I think everyone that has camped with me while I've had this have ended up either buying it or talked about it forever. You, I think, are in the talked about it forever section. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's three sizes. I want to talk about them. I have the 21. I am relatively happy with the 21. My biggest complaint with the 21 is its length. The length is a bit long to fit in packs. The 24, I think, would be bigger, better for cutting trees because you get a better stroke at 24 inches. But I wouldn't want to carry the length of it. And that's because I know it would be at least 24 inches long. That's how long the blade is. They don't make them smaller than that. 21 is a little bit too long for my backpack. The 15 might actually be the best buy here. But would it be a little too short? But it would be a bit short. 15, you're not cutting anything much bigger than 8 inches. The general trend I go with is... You wouldn't want to cut anything bigger than half the length of your saw. Otherwise, you're getting no stroke. Yeah. And, and, and uh, Steve actually has the 24. He says he loves it. Yes. No, no. I love the saw. The, the, the blade that comes with it is really good. The other thing I would like to say is you can buy almost any blade for this saw. Like any, any buck saw blade the right length, and it'll fit. Where if you compare it to, say, a few years ago, um, Trailblazer or uh, I think the other name, uh, something Redneck. Uh, uh, yeah, I know the one you're talking about. This is the one I showed you, Steve, actually. The one I got it from was Ben. Yeah. <clears throat> the Resourceful Redneck had one. Uh, they, they took it over from Trailblazer, I believe. But it was a neat one. It went in a tube. I had one. I absolutely loved it. My biggest complaint, if I have a complaint to that one, is replacement saw blades were really difficult because they were proprietary. Yeah. We're, we're with this one here. Boreal does sell other blades, and they sell some really good blades. I would highly recommend their blades, having used them. Use the right blade for the job. There is a wet saw blade. There's a dry saw blade. Um, you know, there are blades. Learn a bit about them when you go to use them. Um, but a good blade on a saw works well. The, the frame is what you're getting here. And it is a solid frame. I cannot say enough about it. You know, when it closes and snaps, it's nice and taut. There's no looseness to the blade, and it cuts really well. Uh, put a cheap blade on it, you're going to have a cheap blade. Yep. And that's just, like I said, sometimes you get what you pay for. Saws are generally one of those things, just in general. That's just how they work. Um, is that it? Oh, the puzzle saw. Yeah, that's the exact one I'm talking about, Stephen. Yeah, that was it. Uh, Chris Jones says his dad has one of those boor, uh, agua saws. He loves it. Like you, though, he doesn't like carrying it around. You can get a metal blade for the 15. You can get a metal blade? So would it actually cut metal? Like a, yeah. a hacksaw kind of blade for it? That's kind of neat. You may, you may be able to find a metal blade for the larger ones, too. Um, but I haven't seen it. But, yeah, I know that it's it's just the toot style and how they treat the, the the tips really right. With with a metal blade, you'd have very fine teeth and it'd yep. be very hard. But, uh, it's a great saw. I really like it. Um, and it's when I pack, like I just packed everything for winter kit. So if I go anywhere in the next few months, 
Um, my, my kit will be more or less ready to go. It's all in one big tub. And honestly, I can't say enough about it. You know, it, it was one of the first things that gets tossed in. Um, the only thing that I would have liked to have in there was a couple of good versions of sleeping bags. But honestly, I'm not finding a great price of one that I mm. highly recommend right now. I did find a decent one in Cabela's the other day, and I sent it to someone, and maybe I can find that and send it on to you. Uh, that would be the last thing that I, I would have And liked. yeah, I looked for I looked for a sleeping bag and for a decent tent, and frankly, pound for pound, buck for buck, there's not a lot of good deals out there right now. Uh, I think it has to do a lot with, you know, everything kind of went up in price, cost of fuel going up, all that great stuff, but... Uh, here, here, let me send you this. All right, send her over. So, this I sent to a buddy I work with. He was looking for a winter one. Um, this was about the best one I have found. The price is actually really good. Um, but I'm going to honestly say it is hard to find a good deal right now on a zero-degree Fahrenheit sleeping bag. This at 120 bucks is about it. Its compression factor is not quite what you would like. But at this point, I wouldn't be complaining about it. And if you're winter camping and pulling a, a sled or something, you can afford the bulk. Yeah. So, uh, and that's actually that's, a real good price. $120, $0 or zero degree uh, bag. And that's generally zero degree Fahrenheit, folks, not zero degree Celsius. Um, money, minus 18. Yeah, ballpark. minus 18 Celsius ballpark area. It's synthetic um which means you know if it gets wet you should be able to dry it out and all that good stuff uh that's actually a really good price it's ascend it, it is cabela's brand i believe um they make some decent products they probably stand behind it i haven't tried this particular one but if you're looking for a winter sleeping bag and you don't have three four hundred bucks to throw at it this might be one you want to look at all right and it had multiple sizes. You could buy bigger and wider versions yeah. of it. The price That's what changes. I was just looking at here was I seen that there is different sizes off of going through. But, yeah, I think that's our list for this year. We uh, ran a little late this time. We're up to about an hour and a half each, hour 20 minutes. But, I mean, all great things. Uh, Red Bear Bear, love my Snug Pack Soft Light Elite 5 as a winter bag, small enough that I can strap it to the bottom of my bag. Uh, and I do believe the snug pack is a downfilled bag there. Those were once upon a time, um, really reasonably priced. Yeah. Less than 200 bucks, but I think now they're actually getting up quite high in price. I have the underquilt same version. Uh, it's the, it's the snug pack. And oh, sure I think that's the one I borrowed off you before. Yeah. The one I flooded. <laughs> And that's why I don't loan you stuff anymore. I know. That, 7,000 kilometers. I can't have nice <laughs> things, even if somebody else owns them. But, yeah, I think for tonight, that's a great list of stuff. A lot of this stuff, if you get on Amazon and the places that we showed you, you can still get this picked up and get it to that special someone if you have them and you're still wondering what to get them. Um, so hopefully that gives you folks some ideas. I know there's a lot of stuff on that list that I'd be super happy to receive. I know there's lots of stuff on that list that Ben would be very happy to receive. So once again, not just for the new people, this is for anybody that's into bushcrafting. You probably will find something on that list that those folks would very much appreciate. Uh, so just this? so you know, you can get the snug pack elite five on Amazon right now for the low, low price of 
486 bucks. Yeah, I knew they had gone up in price quite a bit. So Steve McDonald, uh, the little stocking stuffer stuff, Bic lighters, hand warmers, fire starters, headlight, headlamps, headlight batteries, uh, all that stuff is great. And I mean, I carry that like literally hand warmers. There are so many hand warmers floating around my stuff. I have two right here on my desk. Uh, you can get the, I think these were from the dollar store. They actually work okay. You can get the brand name ones. They all add things in. Any of that stuff is great little stocking stuffer items. Uh, if you can find a piece of flint, any uh, bushcrafter is going to enjoy that. If you're in a pair of the world where that stuff is readily available, you can find that outside on the ground. Man, you could make bushcrafters across the world happy with a handful of that stuff. Um, there, 200 bucks. Found it. Elite 5. The Elite Probably five? American. Yeah. I am just genuinely surprised. That's $300. <laughs> I thought you said it was 200. The one I just sent you? Yeah, it's 296.14. Canadian. Okay, so I, uh, it shows up as American on mine. Okay. Still 300 yeah, bucks is not a bad price on that, all joking aside. Um, but yeah, a decent sleeping bag you aren't getting for next to nothing, right? Um, but occasionally you find a good deal. The uh, one Tigris Nordic Defender, which I've been using, was on sale for 90 bucks a few weeks ago. Now I can't find it at all, so I think they sold out. I think they got rid of existing stock. Um, but it may show up again in a few months. Keep an eye out for that one as a possible ability, but realize it might come back. It's three, 400 bucks when it comes back. So, so Red uh, red Bear, got my little girl with Thyme Zip, a lighter cover. Any of that stuff. Those are great stocking stuffer, stocking stuffer items. But, uh, yeah, once again, we kind of ran a little late here. I think we should try and wrap it up. Uh, hopefully we give you folks some good ideas out there. Uh, I can tell you now, if you folks want to buy any of that stuff for me, I would be more than happy with it. So probably any bushcrafter that you have in your life will be much the same. Other things that we could throw out there quickly, and then I'm going to shut up, and I know that's hard for me to do. Uh, first aid kits and uh, um, emergency blankets. Yes, the sole version with the, that's a little bit thicker, you pay about twenty bucks for it, but it, I think it's significantly better than the one dollar one from the dollar store. Although that one is a usable product. Um, anyways, yes, get out there, have fun, buy some of this stuff, send us copies if you want. <laughs> like Robert said, we will be happy to receive anything on that list. Absolutely, and just to say, uh, shout out to everybody that joined us here tonight. We had Chris Jones, Red Bear Tactical, Steve. We had Red Sand Adventures. Um, I'm sh Chris Loveless joined us at one point there. Uh, hopefully, I'm not missing anyone else there. If I did, I apologize. I'm just doing it off memory. Thanks for joining us, folks. We'll see you next week when we'll have another interesting topic for you. Um, get out there, play safe, send us some of your stories, and I'm sure we can have a good chat about them. Night, just everybody. Oh, sorry. Go yeah. for it. You know, just listening to everyone you mentioned, we may not have a huge audience, but we have some of the highest quality audiences. We have the highest quality <laughs> audience. <laughs> and not our audience. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, I think I've, we, over the years we've got to know almost everyone here. Uh, and we appreciate every one of you. Uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, folks. See you.